Winnaker Weekly is a three-episode-in anime discussion podcast where two brothers discuss a show of their choice. The show can be anything from a current season flop to a decades-old classic. What are they going to talk about next? Who knows? They sure don't. Weekly. My name is Andrew. My name is Lee. And let's get right into it. Let's start off with the news. This week, some stuff that piqued our interest. Um, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. Probably. I'm a Konosuba fan. You're a Konosuba fan. Everyone I know loves that show. It's absolutely, absolutely hysterical. I um, need to watch more of it. I haven't got. I haven't had the chance to get in. You haven't seen season two yet? No. I haven't even finished season one yet. Well, then I know what we're going to be doing for Anime Nights once we wrap up on the couple of shows that we're almost done with. Yeah, we're pretty close to done with a few things. <laughs> yeah, yes, okay, yeah. fine. I'll... Anyways, anyways, they are making a Konosuba film. Mm. Now, they, um, I don't know what arc it's going to be. I'm not really familiar with the arcs uh, as they go in the, um, like in the light novels. Mm-hmm. Though I am planning on picking those up and reading them for myself when right. I get the chance. Um, but uh, they're making a Konosuba movie. Um, for those of you who don't know what Konosuba is, what are you doing? I mean, seriously, look up this. It's an absolutely hysterical isekai yes. show um, where rather than being like the typical, um, you know, the main character goes from one world to another and they use their abilities to become like the best thing ever in that world. They're just like a god among men oh, yes. or women. Um, that, the main character is a the trope for the, most Konosuba. No, for no, most, uh, for isekai. most isekai yes. a- anime, but Konosuba, he's a loser in our world, and he's a loser in the other world as well. Like his very first thing is just struggling to, you know, do day labor just to get food, and you know, clothing and stuff like that. It's yeah. gold. I love it. Um, and he surrounds himself with party members who turn out to be just as terrible as he is. Um, and they're just a bunch of adorable dorks and losers. Um, but yeah, they're I guess a movie. All, I guess all my stats were maxed out from the very beginning. Is that why she's not getting any smarter? <laughs> wait, wait. Your, your intelligence stat ha- hasn't gone up at all since you first began. Well, it's obvious. My stats were maxed out at the beginning. Is that why she doesn't get any smarter no matter how much she levels up? Cosmo, what's with that look? Why are you giving me that look of disappointment? Cosmo, what's wrong? (laughs) It's comic gold. It is so good. But they're making a movie on it, uh, based on it. Um... I don't know if it's going to be the season three that's been talked about. I know there, I'm pretty sure there are plans for season three as well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. doing extremely well. Um, so they'd be crazy not to keep it going. Right. Um, but yeah, we do know that the film has been confirmed. They're making a movie. Right. And next up in news, we have some Fathom Events news. Uh, yes. Now we've been uh, following the Fathom Events um they, every was it every year that they it's just pretty much it? every year for the past several years. Every year for the past several years, Fathom Events has gone through the Studio Ghibli archives and just once a month. Um, it's their yearly Ghibli fest. It's their yearly Ghibli fest. Mm-hmm. And well, they, it's uh, not them. It's some company called G Kids, and they they go through Fathom Events to do it. Okay, but this month, well, next month, month of July, um, they'll be uh, airing. Uh, Mononoke Hime, or Princess Mononoke. Which is the first anime film I ever purchased. Wow. Um, um, different showings will be either subbed or dubbed, but mm-hmm. um, 
It'll be July 22nd, 23rd, and 25th. And you can go to fathomevents.com and look up the information there. Um, and we'll and, link you uh, to it on our site. I'm sorry, I just got a text that made me super happy. Uh, a dear friend of mine, somebody who is a very a, a beta reader of my novels, um, great friend, uh, she just barely sent me a text saying, I started watching The Devil is a Part-Timer. I will talk to her about it once we're done recording because, as our listeners know, I adore The Devil is a Part-Timer. I mean, so you, you saw a post on Facebook where um, it was asking who your favorite romantic couple is. Yes, you know, did. Or your favorite romance story is. Yes. And you sent the pic, and you, you posted Edward and Winry. Uh, first I posted the text, uh, Edward and Winry. Uh-huh. And then I posted a GIF from Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, where Nozaki's <laughs> holding up his umbrella in such a way that it just pours onto Sakura's head. And, mm-hmm. it's, and the look on her face. I think that poor girl. Yep. That poor Whereas, girl. Whereas, I don't really do Facebook. Um, I mean, I have a writer's page and that's about it, but mm-hmm. I don't really have friends or anything like that on Facebook. Um, I, so I didn't post on it, but I sent you a GIF. And I posted uh, it on your behalf. Oh, good. And, and it's, uh, and it is, uh, Mao from The Devil's Part-Timer yes. holding Emmy. I forget exactly the reason. He, he caught her or something. Yeah, he, he has her, uh, princess style in princess his Princess style in his arms. And she just punches him right in the nose and blood just splurts out she then knees him in the face as he drops her on the ground and i'm like that's my favorite couple right there (laughs) (laughs) i adore the devil's a part-timer uh anyways uh so after the fathom events we now have uh we have a new game coming out or like an english translation of a game coming out uh yes uh bungo stray dogs game app gets an english release in the west according to uh anime news network Bungo Stray Dogs is a very, very interesting show. It really is. Uh, the season, it's hard to describe because it's it's got real good scenes of comedy in it, but at the same time, it roots it's rooted very, very well in dramatic and serious elements. Yeah, it's it, it feels like a cross between uh, Empire Strikes Back and a film noir mm-hmm. sort of thing, where you have the you have the punctuations of humor. That mm-hmm. keep the plot going, so it's mm-hmm. not so depressing all the way through. Yeah. But there are such serious, deeply consequential moments throughout mm-hmm. that that's why that's why I compare it to Empire Strikes Back, is because they had these they have the most quotable funny lines in Star Wars, but it's also one of the darkest storylines. Mm-hmm. So that's how that has going for it. Um and I just discovered uh, earlier this day uh, that there is an Attack on Titan prequel manga series mm-hmm. called Attack on Titan Before the Fall. Mm-hmm. And it apparently it takes place 70 years before the events of the first manga. I, w- I, 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 I read I a little bit into the, uh, the synopsis. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's, basically it's about the guy who founded the, uh, the Scouting Corps. The Survey Corps? The Survey Corps. Okay. Um. And uh, apparently they're reaching the final arc in the manga. They're, they're gonna yeah, fit, they're I saw gonna, that posting today as well. Yeah, they're going to f- publish the last one in August. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, and something that I've been watching this week, um, and, you know, um, our patrons who get the videos, uh, they'll get the... Or, you know, even our listeners probably may already be aware of this, but this week it is Summer Games Done Quick. And uh, all week long... There's a marathon of speedrunners mm-hmm. playing through games as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. um, trying to achieve certain goals. And sometimes they're going for a hundred percent goal. Sometimes they're just going for any percent. You know, sometimes they're doing a no glitch run, just going through the game as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They, uh, but they are doing it to raise money for a charity known as Doctors Without Borders. Oh, I've heard of them. Um, and they do it twice a year during winter. They do, it's called Awesome Games Done Quick. And during summer, it's just called Summer Games Done Quick. It's all on Twitch, the, the Games Done Quick channel. Um, and they just do game after game after game after game. And it's really, really kind of fascinating. Something I like to have on the background while I'm working on other things. Sure. Um, I'm, I, I have donated in the past. Unfortunately, I'm not really in a position where I can donate this year. But I still want to spread the word for this. Um, so anybody who is not watching it, that listens to our podcast, I highly recommend it. Um, you can still also watch their videos uh, because they post each individual speed run on YouTube after it's been done. So on Neat. Twitch, it's just a constant stream. Mm -hmm. But tomorrow, they'll have today's speed runs uploaded to YouTube. Nice. So yeah, I highly recommend um, checking out Games Done Quick if you haven't done that yet. All right. Do you have any other news to share with us? Uh, no, other than apparently Pokemon Quest is now available to install it. I just got a notification for it. Mm -hmm. So, uh... I, I've come to the attention... It's come to my attention that Pokemon Go now has, uh, friends. And so, uh, people can share a 12-digit code that is their ID or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you can, um, uh, become friends with them on, uh, Pokemon Go. And then you can, uh, okay. You level up by sharing gifts or something. I haven't played Pokemon Go in over a year. Neither have I, until <laughs> I noticed some friends of mine were sharing uh, friend, sharing this information. And uh, so I thought I'd open it up again and see, you know, see if I could do it. And when I opened it up, it said the limit was for players level 30 or above. I'm like and, level 12, and that, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm level 10. I just got level 11 today. Mm -hmm. But in the time between the first time that I noticed it... And today, they've lowered the cap, so level ten players can do it too. Okay. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know if there is mm -hmm. a cap anymore. I don't know if it's all the way to mm -hmm. zero, or if ten was the cap. But I could do it. I became somebody's friend today. Mm -hmm. Cool. And uh, I'll have to check to see if I've got any friends that I can add. And there was that some... might make me want to play again. And there was something else. I only got to see the first few minutes of it, but uh, mm -hmm. apparently there, there's just a list of uh, anime that are getting live action adaptations this yeah. year mm -hmm. and um i didn't see the entire the complete list but i know that bleach and yeah. mob psycho 100 are both getting I at think it mob psycho action. 100 already has their live action i could be I, I i just that. saw i saw uh -huh. trailers so okay. that obviously is either they are either they've been made uh-huh but i don't know if they've been released yet see that's always something that's so hard for me um certain shows i think work really really well in live action right. aspects um, Mob Psycho 100 is not one of those shows, simply because part of the joy that I get out of watching Mob Psycho 100 is just this crazy art style that they've just embraced for the show. Yes. You can't recreate that in real life. No. So that charm that they have for the anime is already lost in the live action one. Right. So I've got no interest in watching it already. And Bleach, I loved Bleach uh, for the first several arcs, and then it just ran into the same, you know, shonen manga problem power creep where everything just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger yeah, that's, with no that's, established limit. That's what happens when a uh, brilliant young creator ends up losing a uh, losing creative control to studios. Yeah. Where, the, where the studio says, okay, uh, I know you planned five seasons for this, but we're going to need to turn it into 30, so stretch it out. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, 
Well, anyways, we're not going to get into that discussion right now. But yeah, simply because I lost all my passion for Bleach, mm -hmm. I'm I'm not really interested in a live action series. I all feel right. like it's too little, too late, for my opinion. But you know, some people might enjoy it. Sure. Anyways, let's uh, wrap up with the news and get into three episodes in. All right. So this is what you're here to listen to. We hope. <laughs> All right, and this week uh, it was my pick, and I picked uh, Swordatoria. Oratoria? Is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon on the side? Uh, yeah, how about you give us the synopsis as well? Uh, we okay. watched this on Amazon Prime Video, by the way. Yes, we did. Uh, so, Sword Princess, Eyes Wallenstein, and the Loki Familia take to dungeons below Oria once more. This time, there be there may be more lurking in the shadows than mere monsters. See, that kind of throws it off for me, because let's just establish real fast. This is not a continuation. This is not a sequel series. This is, it says in the title, on the side. Yeah. Meaning that this, this is a side series taking place. It's a parallel series. A parallel series in parallel to the original Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in the Dungeon? Yes. Also known as Don Machi, which we will be referring to it from here on out because yes. it's much much easier to say it is so much fewer syllables uh, for for those of you who don't know what that is don machi um the, the town that they are in oradio mm -hmm. um it is known as the dungeon village because adventurers from all over the world gather here to go into this tower that leads down mm. uh to these dungeons um and uh so Don is short for dungeon, donjon in mm -hmm. Japanese, and then Machi is village. So they just shortened it to Don Machi. So dungeon village is what people refer the show to. And uh, we were discussing earlier about how uh, it's entirely likely that uh, for the English version, they just called it "Is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon?" as a way of making it more interesting for American uh, and well, Western audiences that, to be in, to intrigued by the title than Dungeon Town. Oh, no, 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 no. That is the official name. Is it wrong to pick up girls in the dungeon, even in Japan? Okay. Uh, the kanji and stuff, it's it, uh, and the, the, the katakana and kanji, the, the title, that's what the title is. Oh. It's just called Danmachi because it's just short. Ah. Okay. Yeah. The Japanese, they really like shortening words, making things easier to say. That, that much so, is true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so that that is the official name. It's just Don Machi. That's what they refer to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I believe Don Machi is actually like a secondary official title for it because I've seen it in the work. Like, um, Crunchy, we were talking about this before Crunchyroll, they've released their first game. And it's a game based off of this series, and it's called Don Machi mm. in the title. I don't know the, the full name of the game, but yeah, so Don Machi is official. Anyways, so yeah, this is a parallel series to the original. It's not like when they say here, once more, or this time, I'm just like, that, that there, feels there, misleading to me. There may be more, well, so we, again, we've only seen the first three episodes, mm -hmm. and so there may be more to it going mm -hmm. in deeper into the show, mm -hmm. but yes, if you've already you, you really should go and watch the original Don Machi before watching this because this is a side story that cross-references things that you're expected to already know. There are the main characters of the original show make brief cameos and mm -hmm. walk through crowds and it's kind of a maybe you watch 
one episode of one and one episode of the other and balance it back and forth. I, d- I didn't actually mm-hmm. try to time it out to see if that's how it would play out. Mm-hmm. That if you watch one episode than the other and you kind of see how they're I'm, going. I, no, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and just uh, get right into it. So the show starts off uh, with, uh, with the Loki Familia. Mm-hmm. And in this world, let's go ahead and probably explain this. Um, the gods have come down from the heavens to live their lives among the humans. among mortals there's more races than just humans there's dwarves there's elves other things as well right uh dog people i don't i didn't catch the name but they're one of the characters in the show is is a is a dog person yes um a wolf man or whatever um who's a jerk but um and these gods they pretty much live for entertainment and a lot of them have made these clans Mm -hmm. so these clans can go explore and find new things and pretty much entertain the god. Yes. And the main characters in this side series, they are part of Loki's clan or familia. Yes. And Loki is a female god who's just as mischievous as you would assume someone with the name Loki would be. Right. Um, but yeah, so now that we've established that, we can this, this the Loki familia, they are down in level 50 of this dungeon, yes. which it feels like this is as far as most people have made it. Because um, they're the most powerful clan around, they they established the most powerful familia around, mm-hmm. um, and as they are at their campsite at the entrance to the, um, the to the, the pathway going to level fifty one, they get attacked by a group of monsters they've never seen before. Yeah, a horde of them running up at them, and they look like massive caterpies from they, Pokemon. They do. They look like caterpies mm-hmm. the size of elephants. Where, where if each segment was the size of an elephant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as they're attacking, and these creatures start attacking, and um, the main, uh, and, and the, the story begins to focus on uh, Lefia. Yes. Uh, who is an elven mage. Yes. Um, and she tries to cast a spell to defeat these things, but she's unable to focus because she sees so much pain and things going on around her. Like, they try to attack these creatures. And every time a sword slashes through one of them, it turns out they're like the xenomorphs from Alien, and they're just covered in acid on the inside that they can also use as a projectile weapon. Yep. So somebody loses a really powerful weapon after killing one of these things because the acid just destroys her weapon. Um, but yeah, um, so she's trying to destroy the cast this spell, but she's unable to focus. Uh, and then we meet um, Ice, Sword Princess, who um, is a reoccurring character from the original series. Right. Um, and she's this incredibly powerful level five level. The people who play RPGs and stuff, level five really isn't all that powerful. Um, I mean, compared to level one, let's even in Dungeons and Dragons, compared to level one, level five is worlds more powerful than level mm-hmm. level one. But oh. But yeah. level five means you might survive the fight. Huh? Level five means you might survive the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Level one does not mean that. No, no, it does not. Um, but, uh, we see, um, we, we see, uh, we get introduced to a big cast of characters again right at the beginning. Uh, we yeah. meet Ice, we meet, uh, the Sword Princess, uh, Lafia, the Elf Mage, Tiona, and Tione, uh, twin sister. I don't know if they're twins, but they're sisters. Yes, they're both sisters. of them seem to be brawlers of some sort. Amazons of a type. Yeah, they're both Amazons. 
Uh, we meet Finn, who's in charge of this group. He's kind of a short blonde guy. He seems to be, he's a spellcaster. Yeah. We meet Gareth, who I don't know if he's a dwarf. He looks like a large dwarf, he or at least like, a bar- at least a barbarian. He's yeah, he's short, stocky, muscular type. And we meet Riviera, who's an elf with green hair, and then we meet Bet or Bette, who's the cat man or the dog man. The dog man, yeah. Um, the jerk. He's the jerk. Um, but uh, <sighs> these uh. What am I trying to say here? Um, the the monsters overrun the camp, and um, they're all asking Lefia to you know to cast her spell and destroy all these monsters at the same time, because using uh, weapons is just going to destroy the weapon and hurt the person who's attacking them. Right. Uh, but she's unable to, and um, Leone or Tione, um, she. Um, She's not a ditz. She comes across as kind of like a sweet girl. You know? Mm-hmm. She comes across as a sweet girl. Um, and she gets picked up by multiple things. Like like these like these tongues come out from like five different things. And they start like attacking her and like pulling her apart and stuff like that. Yeah. And everybody's crying out for help. And um, this sweet, sweet girl. And this is one of the things that I enjoyed about the first three episodes. Um, shows that she's not as sweet as she appears. Mm-hmm. Because she's just like, oh, screw this. And switches from being super sweet and nice and, you know, trying to be like the person, you know, um, the, the, the cheerful, let's work together type attitude. She then starts ripping these things apart with her bare hands. Now, these are things that we established melted magically imbued weapons with yes. their acid and she is punching them to death and reaching in and crushing their innards with her bare hands yes and she's not doing it uh she's not unscathed in the process no no she's not i mean she gets hurt but she doesn't let it bother her yeah she she became unhappy and uh dealt with it mm-hmm. anyway um so yes, uh, they end up uh, fighting these uh, creatures, and they try to leave it to to uh, Lethia, mm-hmm. but she fails them. Yeah, she fails them. Uh, she's unable to cast the spell. And this is something we see a lot in the first three episodes. She's trying to cast a spell, trying to do something, but she's unable to focus. Her own worries and her own like um, fears keep overtaking her ability to cast magic. So, uh, yeah... Anyways. Okay, so uh, that, that battle doesn't go well, but they eventually... Uh... Well, what they decide to do is because this attack... like uh, They do eventually kill all the creatures. Ice activates her magical abilities, and she's able to control wind magic, mm. which makes her fast, um, yeah, she agile. Yeah, mostly for acrobatic combat. Mm-hmm. And she also enchants her sword with it, so her sword doesn't get damaged by these creatures' acids. Right. Um... But she's so strong that she ends up doling the blade a bit and gets chewed up by a blacksmith later on. Even though her sword is an un- indestructible weapon. It's unbreakable. It's unbreakable, but mm-hmm. it can... Uh, it can be dull. It can dull. Um, but she kills all the creatures and they, uh, they end up leaving because their campsite is destroyed. And they lost a huge amount of supplies, so they, they have to turn around. 
Yep. And so they turn around and they get to like 417 or something like that. And then yeah, we... Yeah, 17. You get to 417 and they get ambushed by a group of minotaurs. And then they're just like, oh, oh, you poor monsters. <laughs> and then Tiona and Tione, who are both still frustrated from those giant cat- caterpillars... Like, these minotaurs are just, like, standing, you know, they're three times their size, and they just yeah. scream, and sort of, they're roaring and yelling and stuff. And uh, Tiona just kind of has a smile on her face, walks up to one, and casually kicks its head, breaking its neck, and it it just disintegrates into nothing. And the other minotaurs are just like, uh, and there's, like, they're a group of six adventurers, uh-huh. and there's at least 20 minotaurs surrounding them. I, I'd say up to 50. Between oh, 20 more and than 50, that. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. Um, more than 20, but, um, and then Tione, Uh the sweet one, jumps on the back of another minotaur, grabs it by its horns, and rips its head off. Yes. And then the other minotaur just see this happen and run away from these adventurers, and they're just like, oh man, oh wait, crap, they're going to the levels that have lower level adventurers on it, we have to kill them. And so they all rush off after them, and this is where we first see the show's interlinking with the original series. Yes. Because, um, now what was the jerk's name? Uh, Bette. Yeah, so Bette and Ice. Or Bet Beats or something like that. I Bet and Ice end up getting in the lead as they're trying to annihilate all of these minotaurs. Uh, and they get to level one <clears throat> where they can't find the last one. Mm-hmm. And they end up having to split up. And then they hear a scream. Mm-hmm. And... We see the first crossover, which is Ice's point of view when she rescues Belle, the hero from the original series, mm-hmm. who, in the original series, he ends up having this high-level minotaur in the low-level areas going, why? Why is this here? And he's he, he loses his weapon, and things go from bad to worse, and he's cornered, and he thinks he's going to die. But this time we see it from her point of view, where she's just about to rescue this guy, and so she ends up just decimating this minotaur slicing him to ribbons slicing him to ribbons and it just sprays blood all over bell and he's <clears throat> uh, uh, to the point that uh bet actually does describe him as a tomato <laughs> several times later he several describes times him with, he, he's so covered with blood and and he... what and what and how does bell react he is so smitten and has no idea what to say that he runs away screaming. Well, he he's embarrassed. Yes, yes. From the first series, we see we learn early on that he's got a crush on this woman. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks that he thinks the world of her, um, and he's going to be an adventurer, kind of in hopes of meeting her. And you know, yeah, he idolizes her. He, he, he idolizes that's her. his goal. Because um, she is the best of the best. Yeah, he idolizes her. He wants you know to be with her. Um, and his first time meeting her, she saves his life and he's super embarrassed by it. And so he just runs away screaming because he doesn't know what else to do. Which leaves her abjectly dejected and disappointed. Like, what, what did I do? Yeah. She just kind of has this blush on her face. Like, cause she, uh, cause we learned that she's not very good at interacting with people. No. She's very, very strong, but like when it comes to interacting with people, she's not that great at it. Um, so that's the end of the first episode. It is. Um, 
And then we go to the next episode, and the next episode is, um, it's it, it's kind of a very lo- low-key episode. Yes. <laughs> low-key. Low-key. Um, where they, they go back home, and they meet Loki. Or yes. the viewer meets Loki. The viewer meets Loki. And there's a running gag with Loki. Um, Loki seems to enjoy invading the personal space of the female party members, of which there are many. Uh-huh. And there's a running gag where Loki will make a flying leap. Loki will scream to try out, to welcome home, or hello, or something, and... Make a flying leap to tackle and hug somebody. And first target is Ice, who will sidestep one direction. And then... It's Tiona. Tiona, who sidesteps the other. And then Tiona goes another direction. And Leafa, who doesn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Because she's new. Lethia, who... She's level... F- well, she's level three? I think she's she's high level she, three. She, she went through a lot of education, but she's still new in terms of being part, yeah. of, the, part mm-hmm. of the crew. Well, part of the crew, yeah. Part of the adventuring crew. Um, but, um, yeah, and that happens three times in this episode, where Loki screams out in joy of seeing these people, and makes a leaping attack, and Ayn steps aside, Tiona steps aside, then Tione steps aside, and, um, she tackles Lethia and starts, you know, invading Lethia's personal space. Um. Yes. Yeah, um, in that episode, they kind of, uh. It's just kind of a relaxing episode uh, where you know they uh, they turn in their equipment that was damaged or ruined. Yeah. Um, they go shopping. Not a lot really happens then in that episode. My one of my favorite scenes in that episode mm-hmm. is pretty early on, about uh, about six minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where Loki is performing the ritual that mm-hmm. we've seen Hestia do on Bell in the original series, where they. They do, the goddesses do something, and the hero's stats appear on their back. It's like a tattoo, tattoo on their back. And then mm-hmm. they can transfer it to a parchment, and so they have they can see their own personal stats on a character sheet. So that's kind mm-hmm. of funny. Well, uh, and so she does this, mm-hmm. and so Loki does this for Ice. But, so Ice is there, uh, topless, with her back turned to Loki, because that's what they need to do to, uh, to see the stats, um, is to have a bare back. And, um... Loki, ha- having us already witness her invade another girl's personal uh, space, starts threatening, I've been a little drunk, I'm, my hand might slip and do something. Suddenly there is a knife in the bed. That, so so they're both, so Ice is sitting on an edge of the bed, and Loki's sitting criss- uh, cross-legged on the bed, and suddenly there is a large dagger embedded in the space between them. And Loki says, oh, all sobered up now. Oh well, yeah, I'm I'm sober. I'm I'm suddenly sober, um, and that that's something that I think that's kind of unique to this series, um, where these people that interact with their gods on a daily on a day to day basis, yeah. you know, where like you see. Um, you see, uh, like, in so many fantasy worlds, uh, even in anime, like, where people pray to the god, or, like, they, where they commune with their god or goddess, it's always done with respect, or, you know, pure disdain if it's somebody who hates the gods for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have very, very casual, almost ridiculous relationships with with their deities, their patron deities, who they know are gods. Um... And yet, like, here, Loki's like, ha, 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 I'm going to cope a feel. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, knife, don't touch me, you know? Yeah. 
or um yeah or uh later on like um well and like the the three times loki tries to grope you know a woman uh-huh. um they all are just like whatever and they just go away you know um yeah they've got a this show has a very very unique perspective on people interacting with their gods yeah so i think it just i i don't think that their gods are worshipped and respected the way that uh, a religion would they're just mm-hmm. accepted as these higher beings that will live forever but we're just kind of meh mm-hmm. yeah well i guess that's what happens when like you know you well and this is coming from loki but yeah. loki treats them very casually as well so, I guess that's just kind of the relationship that builds from something like that. Mm. Anyways, um, later on in that same episode, um, we uh, they go shopping, mm-hmm. and uh, you wrote something about that episode where they go shopping, where like they, uh, they take yes. Heinz out as a, a way to like she's depressed about something. She's depressed about her interactions with um, with Bell with Bell. And if I recall correctly, in this same episode, they have another interaction with Bell, and she doesn't even realize he's there. Yes, there's a scene. Mm-hmm. A, there's a scene in a tavern where um, Bet keeps on uh, saying, "Isn't it time for you share that story about that kid you saved, and he covered him in blood, and he he ran away screaming. He looked like a tomato. Ah ha ha ha! You know. Well, yeah, just, Bell is just in the bar as well, perpetually abusing him, and Bell just." runs out of the bar and she realizes she didn't even see him there. She only recognized that he was even there in the room after he had bolted. Mm-hmm. And she just felt bad about that as well. Mm-hmm. It's like there, there, There's two instances where she's caused a pain to a person that she never intended to. Mm-hmm. And so she's all the same person. It's the same person. The same person. Um, so they try to cheer her up um lethia um, tiona and tione uh-huh. they take her shopping and they stuff. do take her shopping um and there's a bunch of <clears throat> and so there's a uh, there's a montage scene where they end up uh, tosh, where they end up trying on all these different costumes mm-hmm. and one of the costumes that just it made me bust up laughing one of the cost the, the second to last costume they put her in is an ex- is the exact costume that hestia bell's goddess wears and for those of you who know, this show was ridiculed for her costume because her costume is ridiculous. Yes. And they even mention how ridiculous that outfit is when Eyes is wearing it for just that one scene. So, yeah. It's... Look it up. Look up Hestia uh, for Don Machi if you haven't seen it. Her outfit is ridiculous. It really is. Um, she's a goddess to be able to keep, the, you know, to be able to keep that attached. I'll just say that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So episode two is kind of a more laid back episode. Episode three, um, we, um, it starts off with a bit more shopping with Lefia trying to spend more time with Ice and, you know, doing nice things for Ice to try to cheer her up. And apparently but, there's a, um, uh, there, there, I think it starts off with a convention of the gods, so that, like they're a giant banquet hall and yeah it starts off with um the last episode ends with um there being a carriage and loki once again loki dressed up for an evening she once again goes and you know does the the gag where she tries to you know tackle and feel a cup of feel from one of the girls Mm -hmm. and poor lefia gets stuck uh with her again um so you know three times in the same episode yeah um but they um what was that that was nothing. Oh, Keep going. okay. 
Sorry, it sounded like a cat or something. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, she... Uh, so the next episode has uh, Loki at a banquet with other gods mm-hmm. and goddesses. Um, and... Um, did she make Ainz go with her that night? Um, it was it was shortly after Hestia brought up the courage to ask Ainz out on a date that... Um, oh, no, 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 that hasn't happened yet. And you're th- not Hestia. Hestia... No, I'm sorry, no, Lefia. Yeah, Lefia. Um, Lefia asks Ainz out to go to this event, this... Um, uh, so monsterphilia. The the uh, the 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 banquet happens first, right? And that's where they're talking about monsterphilia. That's where the god who's making it all happen is talking about it, right? Um, and which then, is uh, just this whole they they bring monsters up. To, the plan is to bring monsters up to a coliseum and have mm, people fight them in the ring, fight them, do other things with them. It's just like a it's a big festival with yeah. food and vendors and uh, games, dances, stuff like that. Yeah. Um and um. We then go to ice and um, and uh, Lefia mm-hmm. underneath the in the dungeon again. Um, they don't really say what they're doing. Ainz is just killing monsters, and Lefia's there to be to be her support, her backup to like pick up like whenever they kill a monster, a crystal's left behind. And I don't I think they turn that in for money. Yeah, so that's kind of like a source of income for them. It's been a while since I've seen the original series. They never really right. explain what they do with them in the new series. Right. It just, um, when you kill a monster, it disappears in a puff of ash and smoke, and mm-hmm. a crystal, crystal is left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're gathering those things, and when they get back, they get in trouble because they, well, they're supposed to be at home resting. Mm-hmm. They just had a long expedition down to level 50, and they're like, you need to be resting. And, but while they're underneath the town, while they're underneath the dungeon, in, underneath the town, in the dungeon, there we go, um, Lefia asks Ainz to, you know, spend the day with her at this, at this festival. And Ainz says, sure. And so Lefia gets super happy about it, being able to spend the day with Ainz. Yep. And then as soon as they get back to her, it's like, yeah, you're, you guys are going to have to be punished. Like, you went out and you wouldn't, you shouldn't have, you dragged Lefia with you. And, uh, Loki comes in and says, oh, hey, Ainz. How about you go with me to the uh, to the festival tomorrow? Like, wait, I just make plans to go. Well, too bad you're going with me now. And I'm not taking no for an answer. And I'm not taking no for an answer. And she's just like, okay. And then that night, um, we go to poor Lefia, who is in a bunk bed. She's on the bottom bunk of this bunk bed. And she's just covered. She's like a lump underneath her sheets. And she's just crying, saying, oh, I had such hopes for tomorrow tomorrow's gonna be such a great day and the all got stolen away from me it's so terrible and then whoever's on the top bunk just leans over and says lefia i can't sleep with all your crying can you please stop crying and then there's a pause and lefia just says in a little bit <laughs> she's not quite done crying. she's not yet. quite done crying yet that, that's no, a part that made yeah, me laugh yeah now now what had happened in the scene uh, now, it was, was the pregnant is, pause you know, what would happened just before that before she was caught crying is that there was an extended scene of Lefia's imagination and anytime it oh, comes to her imagination it's just this flowery frame Lefia and, likes Ainz in a way that Ainz doesn't like Lefia yeah she 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 has romantic interests <laughs> mm-hmm and she wants to have um, these romantic situations with her. And she was imagining uh, going out with her and they'd share a um, uh, they, they'd share a bit of food. And that would be what the Japanese call an indirect kiss. Yeah, yeah. Which is the fact that that was denied her 
was why she started crying. Yeah. And then later on in that episode, Loki forces the situation and Heinz is not impressed in the slightest. No. No. <laughs> like, do you want a bite of mine? No. Do you please want a bite of No. No. Well, can I get a bite of yours? <sighs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, they're going through the town uh, during the day of the festival the next day. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tiona, Tione, and Lefia are together. Um, and um, one of the reasons that... Uh, now, aren't they sitting in the Coliseum at this time? They're sitting in the Coliseum watching yeah. something. Before, but... but, but um, or is this before that? This is before that. Okay. So, because um, they know something's going wrong when they're in the Coliseum. But before they know something's going wrong, we cut to um, to Ainz and Loki. And she's gone to meet um, Another Freya. Freya. She's gone yes. to meet the goddess Freya. And Freya uh, is talking about doing something. But before she can reveal what it is, she gets called away by something. Uh, and she wants Loki's help with it. Yeah, she, she wants Loki's help with it. And apparently she has uh, designs for Belle. Yeah, she and is. And when she sees him in a crowd, she has to leave their meeting early. Yep, she's caught. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you you barely see Belle in the crowd. And as soon as that happens, that's when uh, Freya says, oh, yeah, oh, something's come up, I have to go. Mm -hmm. And so she, she goes. And uh, for those of us who've seen the original series, this is really the point where uh, Belle starts to kind of come into his own. Mm -hmm. Because he saves people's lives by fighting some very, very powerful, dangerous monsters that get loose. Well, Freya, it's revealed that Freya is the one who loosed them. Yes. Um, and um, so what happens is that Loki and um, Ainz are walking through the streets. And as they're, they're walking through the streets, they notice that monsters have gotten out. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, Lefia, Tiona, and Tione... Uh, notice the officials above them discussing something rather frantically and they realize something's going on so they decide to go find Loki and see what's going on. So they go out, they see Loki and they're like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, and monsters are loose. Yeah, she she's casually eating a squid on a stick while explaining mm -hmm. that monsters are in loose in the city where there's not even level one people mm -hmm. that could easily be killed by these things. Mm -hmm. He's like, aren't you taking this a little too casually? No, that because I put her on the job, and she points up, and you see up on one of the towers, Ainz is up there uh, examining the city, uh, seeing where the monsters are. Ice, yeah. Ice. I, I don't know. I don't know. I said Ainz. Probably because I'm excited for Overlord Three to start in a couple of weeks. Um, but anyways, That's exact, uh, that is exactly the reason. Yeah. Anyways, Ice then uses her wind magic to go and hunt down these monsters. And that's one of the most beautifully animated parts of this show is watching her use her wind magic mm -hmm. to do the uh, her acrobatic uh, combat scenes. And she's just going through street, through street, street, through square, through square, just butchering these monsters as if as if they're nothing to her, and which they are it, to it's, her. So it, it reminds me of like a low budget version of watching the. Um, um, uh, uh, like like Attack on Titan when they were flying through the air to, to the city, like they, a lot of a lot of expense went into doing what they did for uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. for uh, Attack on Titan. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this was you know this wasn't bad. This was really really good for what it was, mm -hmm. and it looked like it was kind of an homage to that a, a touch, but uh, not. Maybe. I, mean, I mean they had the they had the red roofed. Um, buildings and well, that's just the design of the city it is the design but, yeah. of the city mm -hmm. but 
But there she is, uh, her, flying in, slaying a monster with a sword, and then flying away to do to take care of another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, so it just it had a similar flavor to it. Okay, it, it, it is what it, it seemed like to me. I didn't get the same vibe as you, but I thought it was still a pretty neat scene to watch. Yeah. Um. But uh, they uh. But it wasn't. It wasn't as enhanced by. CG as Attack on Titan. Well, no, but Attack on Titan it worked really, really well. Yeah, they, with Attack they, on Titan. Yeah. That's, they, that's, they, that's, what, mm-hmm. that's what I mean. It wasn't as yeah. enhanced by CG as Attack on Titan was yeah. with mm-hmm. these with these shots. Yeah, there's a couple good videos about out there about good versus bad CG there's, in anime that, that has been and discussed the, the, at length. Mm-hmm. And Attack on Titan, the the use of CG in Attack on Titan works really, really well. Ba- like basically, it boils down to if you don't notice the CG, it's good CG. Well, yeah, but also like. Um, it also boils down to a lot of times, like if you're using CG characters and stuff like that, and it's very static shots, it doesn't work very well. Right. Whereas one of the strengths of CG is being able to do shots and camera pans that you can't do easily mm-hmm. draw, hand drawn. You can do them, but it takes forever and is super expensive. But it's very, very easy to make a fluid shot like that, like with them swinging through the streets in Attack on Titan. Yeah. And because it's moving so quickly, you don't much have time to notice that it's CG, so it works very, very well. Do you know when the first uses of a 3D model in animation was? I heard about it, but I forget. It's Cruella DeVille's car. They built a physical model of Cruella DeVille's car for uh-huh. 101 Dalmatians, traced black lines on the major areas of it, but it was all in white. And then they would film it, um, moving it up like a bo- like up the slope. They'd have uh, the they'd have a hill covered mm-hmm. in salt or something. And they mm-hmm. would move it up, and so that and so what they did is they'd film this thing, and then they would rotoscope trace over it mm-hmm. and, and shade it in with animation. But the car itself was a three D model, and mm-hmm. that's how they did it. Okay, um, cool. So, so techniques that enhance are always welcome. Yeah, but anyways, um, getting back to it, um, the the group of girls like go they go after. Um, ice, and they're just like, well, there's not going to be much for us to do today because she's slaughtering the monsters before they even get a chance to get to the street where uh-huh. the monsters were at, and then she's gone. Uh, but they get to a street, and then a, uh, it, it looks a like serpent-like a monster yeah. appears out of the ground. It's I mean, green-scaled green thing, that looked like a tentacle or a snake or something. To me, it was pretty obvious that it was a plant just because it's got a petal thing for that. I'm like, oh, it's a plant. Okay. Could, could have been the tail of something, but yeah, it was a plant. Yeah. Um... But, um, so the, the two girls who we already know their brute strength, Tiona and Tione, they start punching this thing and it, like it, their arms get hurt from punching it. So it's got very hard scales. Yes. Um, and then, um, Lethia tries to cast a spell, um, but. And then suddenly something pops out of the ground and slams into her. Slams in her side hard enough to leave bruising and bleeding on the place of impact mm-hmm. and she well, coughs on blood and she gets she tossed co- onto a watermelon stand which i thought was a clever use of hiding actual gore because watermelon red juice just goes everywhere but it's not really gore it's watermelon stuff so and then she coughs up blood and anyway. then she coughs up blood anyways um but uh she's about to get killed when Ainz comes back and saves her uh but Ainz's sword breaks fighting this thing mm-hmm. uh, because of how strong it is um, and Ainz is worried about getting chewed out by the blacksmith again because the blacksmith who's repairing her weapons said, this is a loner. Um, don't use your full strength because it's probably going to destroy the weapon. And yeah. Destroyed the weapon. It did. Um, 
But as they're fighting this, um, Lethia is uh, talking to herself, saying that she can't remain the same that she is. She can't keep depending. She can't keep watching them from behind. She can't keep, um, you know, depending on them to save her. Because um, I forget what her name is, but she gets chatted with. I got the name written down here. Riviera. Riviera is a green, is an elf mage yes. as well with green hair, uh, and they kind of treat her as the mom of the group. Hmm. Um, Team mom, team mom, team. Stop that chanting or no ice cream. <laughs> or no slushies. After or no slushies after. Oh, But anyways. Um, Says the team mom. Jeez, oh, 50% off. 50% off comic gold. Anyways. Um, um, and she's, um, she's reminded that her friends, you know, they're putting themselves on the line just as much as she is. It's true. Um, and that, um, she needs to put her trust in her, in her comrades. Mm -hmm. And so she does that and lets her comrades protect her while she casts this spell. And so, like at the very beginning, episode one, it shows her name Lefia and then it, she's called like the Thousand Elf. Yeah. Um, it never really explains what that is until now. She, the reason that she was in, accepted into the Loki Familia mm -hmm. is because she has a unique ability amongst all spellcasters where she can recreate any spell which is why she's called elf thousand yes. um and then she casts this this spell that just covers the entire square in ice and completely shatters this creature yeah um so and... I, so so the, the progress of the fight with the creature was that it was mm -hmm. a one-mouthed plant and then a tentacle ice came kills out. one and then Ice, ice kills ice kills, kills one mm -hmm. and then three more heads pop up yep three more and heads so pop up ice mm -hmm. tiona and tione are each fighting one of the heads mm -hmm. trying to keep it distracted i really while... wish they'd named them something other than tiona and tione that's so annoying anyways the, the flat one and the not flat one uh yeah and they discuss that and things that we decided to not talk about anyways <laughs> um but levia finally casts a spell at the climax of episode three and it's a pretty cool spell that she casts it is. It, so, it's it's pretty epic. And then Loki comes in, um, saving a ch uh, with a child in hand, saying that she's going to be taking this child to her parents. She sends Ainz off to clean off the mo clean up the monsters. Uh, uh, she sends the sisters off to clean up the sewers. Clean up the sewers to make sure there's nothing down there. Um, and then uh, she says, "Lefia, make sure the guild has a chance to heal you. Like yeah. you need to take care of yourself." And uh, she, uh, and then um, one of the presents that. Ice got from Lefia because Lefia was giving her things to try to make her feel better. Um, was kind of this healing potion. Yeah. Uh, like a hundred, a hundred. I forget what the money is in that world, but it's a cheap healing potion. Mm -hmm. And so she drinks it, and then she gives it to Lefia and says, "Drink the rest of this." Yeah. And so Lefia gets her, her, um, her indirect something. Her, in, something. her, her she calls it an indirect something something yeah. rather than an indirect kiss. She can't even say kiss. Right. Um, it's an indirect something something. Um, and so she, she drinks the potion and gets a bit better. And then after that, we cut to the end of the episode and Loki is calling out, um, uh, Freya yeah. saying that you released some horrible things in this city. Why on earth did you do that? Um, and she just scrapes the monster that, you know, almost killed some of her, her familia. Mm -hmm. And Freya's just like, they're out of the monsters that I released. Not a single one of them matches what you just told me. Right. And they're like, wait, what? So... And then it's revealed that another god, um, what, what, who uh, Loki was talking to at the... Uh, I didn't write down his name, but uh, yeah. Was, I, mm -hmm. I, he was they were talking to two gods, and it wasn't clear which one was which, but one of them was Dionysus, and the other one was uh, Demetrius, or something like that. 
something like that. I don't. I didn't write down the names. Um, but yeah, but one of them, the male mm-hmm. of them, seems to be involved in mm-hmm. sparking up things of interest <coughs> and causing some extra chaos around, and that's mm-hmm. and that's where the episode ends and brings intrigue and is that's the hook that try that gets you involved in watching more is finding mm-hmm. out what who he is and what what he's all involved in. Mm-hmm. So all in all, so, it's yeah. a fun little series. It's all right. I mean, it's, um, I'd, I'd rather just have season two of Don Machi, um, so I can mm. get more of the story from, you know, from, from Bell's, point, Bell's of point of view, and, uh, we met all of Bell's, uh, like, uh, Hestia and all the people that joins Hestia's Familia and stuff like mm-hmm. that in season one. I'd rather just have season two. This didn't really hold my interest that much. I mean, it was fine, but, um, I didn't see anything really wrong with it, but nothing really stood out to make me want to keep watching it okay so for me it's uh maybe i'll watch it when i've got nothing else to watch but i've got plenty on my queue to watch right now so okay how about you what do you think um now i'm a family man Mm -hmm. and i like to have my queue filled with things that i don't mind my kids walking in on me seeing (laughs) This is not something I can have my kids walking in on me seeing. That's very true. This this show was uh, a bit heavier on the fan service than I was expecting. And so, fair warning to everybody out there. Do you not remember the original Don Machi? This was just about as much as the old as, as Don Machi was, if I recall, recall correctly. Uh, maybe I'm just getting more sensitive to it. Maybe. It's also been several years since we watched the original one, so... Okay. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of a pass from both of us. So, all right. Well, um, so that's it for um, Sword Oratoria. Mm-hmm. Is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon on the side? And next week, I'm pretty excited about this show that I found. Um, they have rebooted Star Blazers. Okay. Star Blazers is an older show from the 70s, 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, Battleship Yamato 2199. Okay. Um, they have uh, rebooted it. Um, they've got twenty four episodes for season one, and they just barely started up. They're, they're eight episodes into season two. Nice. Um, now I did read that these movies are like continuation, or these shows are the continuations of stories that they did in movies. So I don't know if we'll be missing a ton of information by jumping into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the synopsis from Crunchyroll: The power hungry. Uh, Gamlias have taken over Earth, and only a distant planet has the key to save humans from extinction. Granted the schematics of a high-powered engine, the base battleship Yamato is built to traverse the galaxy and achieve hope for their survival. Battling extraterrestrial forces along the way, the crew of the of the Yamato will stop at nothing to save their home. Now, the name of this sounds really familiar. Is this the same art style as Galaxy Express 999? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and... Um... And Interstellar 5555. Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and... Here we go. They actually had a live-action movie that we watched a while back. Live-action? Mm-hmm. I, I own it. But yeah, here's a shot of... Here's the cover of the, uh, the live-action movie hmm. that they made. I don't know if I ever actually sat down and watched that one with you. It's not a good angle. No. Um, but, uh, 
There's like the manga. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. that it's that old art style. Okay. So yeah, um, it's got pretty good reviews online. I'm excited to go ahead and uh, give it a watch. Right. See what the first three episodes are like. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's it for three episodes in. Let's go ahead and move on to recommendation of the week. All right. Uh, this week it's your turn. Yep. And this week, um, I uh, I don't really do this very often, um, but I uh, backed a Kickstarter project. Really? Yep. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the company uh, Steamforged Games. Sounds familiar. They made the Dark Souls board game. Oh. And I, I own it. I'll show it to you at some point. The miniatures that they made are incredible. They, they It's like they just lifted the models straight out of the game. For the miniatures for the board game. Okay. Um, they have partnered with Critical Role to make miniatures of Critical Role characters. That sounds awesome. They have the entire cast of, or the, the main seven characters, and one of them is a ranger, and so she's got a bear um, by the name of Trinket. Mm-hmm. So they've got eight models for the first season. They've got the seven main characters plus um, a guest actor uh, for eight characters for the second season. Uh-huh. Um, so that's 16 models. And then you get an additional six models that are Kickstarter exclusive if you back the Kickstarter. And all four, there's only one, um, there's only one option for backing and it's 45 pounds or $60. Um, now that seems like a lot, but miniatures are not cheap. No. Um, if really you're getting you're getting what um, twenty two miniatures for sixty dollars. That's huge. That's you know, yeah. That's like you know, less than three dollars a miniature. So. Oh wait, yeah. Yeah, that's less than three dollars a miniature. It's a really good deal. So I went ahead and I backed it. I love Critical Role. We've t- I've talked about it here before. You have. I love Steamforge. They just make incredibly detailed miniatures. Um, so I'm very excited to uh, get this set. I mean, it's not going to come until January of next year. Mm-hmm. But there's 10 days only to back this project. Okay. They were asking for... I don't even know. They weren't asking for very much. I think it was like maybe 10,000 pounds. They had broken their goal by 500% within the first couple of hours of it being on Kickstarter. That doesn't surprise me in the least. No, it doesn't surprise me in the least at all. So, yeah, um, uh, for um, Critical Role fans or fans of just really nice Dungeons & Dragons miniatures, Mm -hmm. check out this Kickstarter project. Fantastic. Excuse me. All right. Okay, and then next is our creator shout-out, and that's your turn this week. All right, this week I am giving a shout-out... To somebody I've met on Facebook by the name of Hyde Clarklin. She is a uh, professional cosplayer. Oh, cool. Uh, has a uh, her own brand called Hide My Error Cosplay. Mm-hmm. And she has a, a uh, an extensive um, catalog of different uh, characters she's cosplayed as and uh, photography that's been done of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got, um, she has a blog, hidemyerror.com. She has a Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages, and, uh, links to those will all and be... You met, in... her via, you met her via Facebook? Uh, yes. Uh, d- turns out, uh, Doug was a, uh, a fan of hers first and was, uh, oh. kind of promoting her page and, you know, get, and, uh... Okay, cool. Encouraging people to get to know her. And, in mm-hmm. fact, she was my first friend on, uh... 
um, and currently my only friend on uh, Pokemon Go. Oh, okay, cool. So, so well, that's all right why, then. So that's why that came up earlier today. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. So, shout out to uh, Hyde Clarklin, and uh, maybe you guys uh, will see her at uh, various anime conventions. If you do, tell her we said hi. Good deal. All right, then. Well, I think that wraps it up for another week. Uh, unless there's anything else uh, you want to cover real fast? That does it for me. Okay. Well, uh, in that case, I've been Andrew. I've been Lee. And this has been Whitaker Weekly. Have a good week.